Good morning, everybody. It's really good to be back and um, bringing God's word again. So um, I'm just going to read the passage that so I've given it a new title. So it was meant to be called um, um, Your Church Needs You Part Two. But I felt that that was the title for Kumbalani last week. The title for this one is actually We Together Are Christ's Body. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 12 verse 21 to 30 and I'm going to be reading it in the new living translation but you can read it in whatever translation you've got so from verse 21 the eye can never say to the hand I don't need you the head can't say to the feet I don't need you in fact some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we close with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while those more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together that such extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. He makes for heart, this makes for harmony among the members so that we, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honoured, all parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, Then those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have have the power to do miracles? Do we have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So that's the passage that we have. And this sermon has ended up being a recycled sermon. Now, that isn't because I didn't have enough time to write it. I've had lots of time to write it. But as I was writing it, began reading about it, I, I, I tend to find that a lot of my... When I, when I come up and do this, a lot of it comes out of the quiet time and the time that I've spent with the Lord in the weeks leading up to when I'm doing it. And God took me back to two things. He's taken me back to a sermon that I've preached before. So I'm going to take parts of that and preach it again. And I'm also going to bring some of the stuff that Jeff brought at the weekend as well, because as I was sitting being blessed by Jeff and being taught by him at the weekend, there's quite a lot of people here that weren't there and I felt God say you need to bring this little bit again and this little bit again so it's going to be you're going to think hang on I've heard this before but that is deliberate and I feel that that is what God is asking me to do so here we go so following on from what Kumbalani brought last weekend he told he told us and pointed out that each member of the church is different the eye is not the ear and the foot is not the hand. Each of us, each person in the church has a um, different role to play, including the bottom, 
which will not make any sense unless you were here last week and heard Kumbalani's story, but even the bottom is important. And we all need to be part of the body to be a full expression of who Jesus is. So I have four key points that I'm going to go through. As it happens, points one and two are bigger than the other two points, but the four points are we need each other and should care for each other. To be in harmony with each other, this is point two, to be in harmony with each other, we need to be in step with the spirit. Three, all of us together are Christ's body. And fourth, we all have unique but different gifts. So first, we need each other. Paul goes on to show after the, the part that Kumbalani preached on, that not only do we have our different roles to the only we can play, but we need each other. Um, each part of the body is only going to work if it's got the other parts working with it. The first part of the passage, so verses 12 to 20 that we heard last week, could be seen as individualistic. Each part of the body was shown to be different from each other part. And Paul would have known that his audience at the Church of Corinth, there were many members from different cultures, such as the ancient Greek culture, which is very individualistic. Pagan cultures often think of their relationships with deities or higher powers, not real ones, but the ones that they thought were, um, as being individual. And that the... That, that, talking to God and having a relationship with God was purely a solo pursuit. Now, our individual relationship with God is important. It's really important that we pray, that we read our Bibles, that we, that we have a personal relationship with him and that he knows us personally. But it's also important, and I think the point that Paul is making here, is that we can't be a full expression of who Jesus is by ourselves. We have to have relationship with each other to be that full expression. How do I know this and how can I, how can I prove this as it were? Well, well the, the, we know that we're made in the image of God. We're told that in Genesis. In Genesis 1.26, it says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And it's one of those rare times where a plural um, word is used to describe God, which can be quite odd because there is only one God. But remember, God is a trinity. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he is a community. He needs each of the different persons that he has. And therefore, we, as his image, are made to be in community. We cannot reflect God's glory on our own. We have to do it together. So three years ago in Freedom, we were working through the book of Acts, and I preached a sermon from Acts 2. And the first verse of that passage, which if anybody was here and remembers it, I spent most of the time in, in this verse. So, verse. so Acts 2 verse 42 is, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And I want to pick up some of the points that I made at that time. So, it's, so if you think back to that, that sermon, what I, what I was talking on is I talked about how that verse 42 is a pattern for how the church ought to be and how the church ought to relate to each other. So they devoted themselves, they were together 
and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they were listening to sermons, they were reading their Bibles. They devoted themselves to fellowship, which is being, living and working together. They shared in meals, which also included the Lord's Supper communion, and they devoted themselves to prayer. And then the Holy Spirit came and signs and wonders were, were doing and the church grew and there was mighty power within the church. So those things happened and then that followed. So I think why God, so I said, why am I being brought back to this uh, sermon? And um, I couldn't actually find my notes from a sermon. So I had to listen to myself and rewrite the notes, which is really weird. Um, but that's what I did to actually find some of these scriptures and find what it was that, that God wanted me to say. So one of the, the verses that jumped out at me um, that was important that he gave me then, which is Hebrews 10.25, which says, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some may do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. So I think what God is saying is we need to do all the, the, the spiritual disciplines, but I think there's a tendency to do them solo. And it is important that we have a quiet time and that we read our Bible and that we pray and those things. But the fellowship, it's interesting to me that in the list in that verse, fellowship comes before prayer. So it's not that I'm saying fellowship is more important than prayer, but I think it's, it is important and we don't always think about it. I meet many, many Christians who, you know, when I'm out and about and I meet Christians at work or I meet Christians in what I'm doing and I'll go, so I talk to, find that out and talk to them. And they go, and I say, oh, what church do you go to? And they go, oh, I don't go to church anymore. I don't, I don't really enjoy church. Um, I've been hurt in a church. Um, I, I just find it better just to have my own relationship with God. It's just me and God, that, that, me and Jesus, that works better for me. And I think you can get a lot out of that individual relationship, and we're meant to have that. But there is something powerful about being in community. God made us to be in community. One of the things Jeff was saying at the weekend is it's not easy. It's not easy to be in community. We have probably all experienced being hurt, by being in community and that is a really difficult and hard thing when that happens but I feel God is saying that we've still got to we mustn't turn our back on church God came you know Jesus Jesus is coming for his bride he's coming for the church he's not coming for you he is coming for you individually and it is important not to not to lose sight of that but he's coming for us and we have to do it collectively. And that is important. So we must be together in the spiritual disciplines. We're together when we're hearing God's word as it's being preached now. And we do that each week. We're fellowshipping together as we come together as Christ's body to, to, to be an expression of who he is. We have, I don't think we're having communion today, but we regularly have communion together. And we've just prayed together. And all of those things are important. The Apostle John also knew how important living in God's word was to the ability to have a relationship with, each, with, 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 with him and with each other. So sometimes I'll think, so I'm convinced, and 
you know, while I was listening to what Jeff brought at the weekend, because Jeff was talking a lot about that the whole theme of the weekend was us being together as a body. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I'm convinced. I'm convinced this needs to happen. But how do I do it? Because I'm a single person. And I find I am quite, my life kind of, I am the major player in my life being a single person. And that's one of the, that is one of the hardest things that challenges this brings is I, it's very, very easy for me to be individualistic because it's just me. I choose what I'm having for my dinner. I choose what I'm going to watch on the TV. I choose, I choose lots of things about myself. So, and, and so therefore it's harder for me to be in community. So how do we do it? And I think our, our, our individual fellowship, ironically, our individual fellowship with God is important to, to us being, being able to do this. So the Apostle John knew how important living in God's word was to the ability to have a relationship with him and a relationship with each other. So he says in um, his second letter, um, uh, chapter one, I think, I've not put the chapter, I think it's chapter one, verses nine and 10. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God, but anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth of Christ, do not invite that person into your home or give him any kind of encouragement. And then back to Hebrews, a very famous verse is, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So, and Jesus also knew how important God's word is to our relationship with him and our relationship with each other, because he put two things when he was asked what the most important commandments were, this is what he said. The Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God um, is the one and only Lord. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So Jesus knew that at the heart of us being his expression is our relationship with him. That's the most important thing. And to love him fully with all our being, but to also love our neighbors ourselves. And I'm going to come back to that um, thought later on. Um, a sermon that I heard around this area by Alistair Begg, who I listen to a lot, has got a, a phrase that he uses quite often, which is the spirit of God compa compels the people of God to submit to, to the word of God. And I think what's important and what God was highlighting for me and to bring here is that, they, that we do that as a collective. That if we do it individually, that's powerful. But when we do it together, that is a... a um, a more powerful thing the church is all about fellowship together we have the mind of christ it says in 1 corinthians 2 16 together we reflect him and a, a fellowship was another aspect of um, christian life that the apostle john was very concerned about and in in 1 john 1 2 to 4 he says this one who is life itself 
Jesus, was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so you may fully share our joy. When we are together, we are a picture of the Trinity. God is a fellowship. He's got three persons. He's different from us. We only have one person each. But God has three persons. And our fellowship with each other keeps us on the right track because we know that by talking and fellowshipping with each other, we know that we're in accord with his spirit and with his word. One of the things that's really important, what can happen, particularly with people that go off and stop being part of a, a body, stop going to church and stop being part of a body, is you can go off on one quite easily. You can end up being in a situation where you can go off track and, and get the wrong idea about what the Bible is saying or the wrong idea about what the Spirit is saying. And it's important to have people that you're close to who you can say, I think God might be asking me to do this or I think that this might be what I need, I should be doing next or what I should be doing with my life. What do you think? Because that allows you to be able to make, um, you know, to be able to find out whether what you're doing is the right thing or not. That's why we need each other. It's why it's important. And it's really important because also it's definitely what Jesus wanted for us. He wanted us in fellowship and unity. In his famous prayer in John 17, from verse 20, he prayed, I am praying not only for these disciples, the disciples that were with him, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's you me all us i pray that they will all be one just as you and i are one as you are in me father and i am in you and may they also be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me the way we are with each other and the way we interact with each other is witness to the world that jesus is who he said he was so it's really important that we keep that in mind as we, as we think about what um, we have. So actually, I've got another verse I want to read as part of that passage. Verse 22 says, I have given them the glory you, have, you gave me so that so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. We are a picture of what Jesus is like, but we can only be the fullness of that picture when we're together. We need to be in harmony with each other. This is point two. And we need to be in step with the spirit. Um, and I remember I've, I've tried to find the source of this story and I couldn't find it anywhere, but I'm going to give you a sort of version of it. But for those that are musical, this will make more sense. So orchestras sound really beautiful. 
and they're all in harmony and in step with each other and they make a great sound and they do that by being in tune with the orchestra leader who I think is usually a violin player and everybody tunes to that person and then everybody else oops everybody else I knew that this was going to be dangerous because I moved my hands around um, <laughs> um, everybody else is then in tune with each other and the church is a picture of that we need to be in tune with Jesus if we're in tune with Jesus we will be in tune with each other okay so how do we tune into Jesus how does that work we need to keep in step with his spirit so Galatians 5 16 to 18 says so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting with each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So how do we do that? By being in the word, by being together, and by praying both individually and together. Okay. If we think back to the original passage, it says the less honorable hearts are treated with the greatest care. And that's how God's economy works. One of the things Jeff kept saying a lot over the weekend is that a lot of the way that God's world work, works appears to be upside down but actually it's everything being turned the right way up and God being put back it back into his place in the world where I mean he is in control anyway but that it's actually freely seen by everyone that he is in control and that made me think about back in the same letter that that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 where he talks about foolish things so it says instead so um paul has just been talking about how a lot of the people in the church are quite poor and, and from not from particularly honorable um backgrounds according to their culture so he's saying instead god chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise and he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose the things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. So as I look at you guys, I probably wouldn't know most of you who are in this room if it wasn't for Jesus. I wouldn't know you, I wouldn't be friends with you, I wouldn't be doing life with you. And God chooses who our family, we don't actually get to choose who our earthly family is either, but God chose us and put us together. It's why I'm really, really happy that Dave um, um, chose to do the, the song that God gave him at the, week, uh, at the weekend away that, this morning, because the words of that and the fact that we are together his adopted children, I think is something really powerful that God wants to say to us. It's important to remember that when 
people like me come up here and, and Dave and other people are, are on the stage and they're choosing the songs. It's not the same as when I write a lecture. I'm a lecturer at university, by the way. When I write a lecture from a textbook, that's one thing. What I've done this morning in bringing God's word is different, completely different. Yes, some of those skills I can use to help me do that, but God is speaking to us this morning. He was speaking to us when we brought when the songs that were chosen and brought. So listen, listen to what the word of God is. So point three is together we are Christ's body. And I want to pick up some of the verses that, that Jeff brought repeatedly over the weekend, because I think they're really, really important, particularly the version that, that Jeff chose. So in the, I'm going to read Ephesians 4, verse 16, in the King James Version, because it's quite a, a, a good translation for making the point. From whom the whole body fit, fitly joined together uncompacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love and I like that version because it's got the fitly joined together or fitly framed some of the even older translations say which is a picture of how a house is built together. But it's actually quite difficult to understand in that very old English. So I'm going to go back to the, to the New Living Translation that is much easier to understand. And that same verse is, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. One of the things that Jeff was bringing repeatedly in, in relation to that verse, and some of you'll remember that he actually brought his workbench in and made a cross and put the joints together and then was making various points about how that worked and what you know how the joints fitted together and what can go wrong with that one of the things that jumped out to me was we, he said a lot if we want to relate to one another we have to make room for one another we have to make adjustments for each other it isn't always going to be easy the first time we try to reach out to somebody they might reject us it might be difficult. There might be some relationships you have to put in three or four times as much work as there is into other ones. But the other verse that he kept coming back to again and again is Ephesians 5 verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we have to submit to each other. Every person in the church has to submit to every other person in the church. So that means babies, older people, whoever they are. Not the way that society does submission, that we submit in a hierarchy. I will submit to this person because I consider them to be a more mature Christian than me, but I'm not going to submit to someone who I think is less than me. They will submit to me. That's how the world works. That's not how the economy of God works. We all submit to each other. 
The other thing that, that Jeff said that really stood out to me is we are a body. We are, so when we're talked about Christ's body, we're like a human body. We're not like a pyramid. Pyramids are a picture of hierarchy with the most important person at the top and then somebody who's a bit less important, a bit less important, a bit less important, and then the least important people at the bottom. If you structure an organisation like that, it's going to stand whether it's alive or not. And pyramids are actually graves for pharaohs in ancient Egypt. So if the life has gone out of that organisation, out of a church, if it's structured that way, you're not actually going to be able to tell. But if a church is structured like a human body, where everybody is submitting to each other, where weaker people will maybe step back for a while, somebody else who's stronger comes in, and it's more organic, like something that's alive, you can tell when it's dead because it falls on the floor. It's not no life in it. If I've got no life in me, I will not stand anymore. We need to, a healthy church doesn't look neat and tidy. It looks like Jesus and it looks alive. So I'm now going to come back to some of the thoughts that Jesus had. And I've, I've quoted from Mark's gospel. I'm now going to quote from John's gospel for this bit. So John 13, verse 33. Dear children, I will only be with you a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. So I'm giving you a new commandment. So remember before he said, love the Lord your God with all your strength and mind and heart, and also love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is a new commandment. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So the standard is not that we love each other like we'd love our neighbor. I think this is my own, this is me with my own thoughts about this is because actually we're not very good at loving each other in our own. So if we love each other like we'd love our neighbor, we actually do a very good job of it because we don't really like them very much. So God has given us a higher standard, which is that you love each other like I loved you. And what has Jesus done for us? He died for us. So the standard is that we live sacrificially for each other. And then this is the point that leads on. And it's by that that the world will know that you are my disciples. If we don't love each other, we don't look any different than any other social club or any other group of people that meet together regularly. But we know we're getting it right when people go, there's something different about those people. They're different to, to you know, the norm. There's something. And what they're noticing is that they're starting to notice Jesus. And that can happen as an individual encounter with one of us because we've all got the spirit inside of us but I think there's something powerful when we're together it amplifies the spirit of God okay so fourth point we all have unique but different gifts so at the end of that passage the passage that I'm preaching on in 1 Corinthians 12 Paul lists 
what the different gifts are. And that's one list of gifts, but there are other lists of, lists of the gifts in other places. So if you're looking down that list and you're thinking, I don't think I have any of those things, that's okay. You, you might not have one of the gifts that's listed there. And one of the reasons I picked this translation is that in from verse 29 onwards of down to 30, there's a lot of questions asked. And in a lot of translations, it doesn't answer them because they're what's called a rhetorical question. They don't require an answer. But actually, the New Living Trans whoever translated the New Living Translation thought, actually, we will give people the answer just to make it completely clear. So it says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So that phrase at the end gives us... The, so there might be some people here who really, really, really would like to be able to speak in tongues. Um, and you've prayed for it and you've prayed for it and you, don't, you haven't got it. That doesn't mean that you're missing anything. There might be some people who will never speak in tongues. That's okay. There's a, there's a famous um, you know, theologian and pastor called John Piper who believes in the gift of tongues. He's been a Christian for over 50 years. He's prayed for the gift of tongues. He's never been given it. But it doesn't mean he doesn't believe in it. Some of us won't. Some of us will have other gifts. So how do we know what our gifts are? And what I think God would like to say is, we need to pray. We need to keep asking for individual gifts. If we really, really want a gift, then we need to keep praying for it. We might have gifts that we don't recognize our gifts. And God will reveal that to you in time. He's revealed to me that I've got gifts that I didn't know I had that I clearly do have. And I'm starting to, to move in. But the key thing I would say is don't be paralyzed thinking, I don't know what my gift is. I'm, not, I'm sure, I'm sorry, I'll get it. I'm scared I'll get it wrong. Just start living and being with the community of God. And it will become clear what your gift is. Um, and it doesn't matter whether your gift is a snazzy, you know, kind of quite different gifts. Because there are gifts like, you know, having a, you know, the gift of being able to give prophetic words or being able to speak in tongues or interpret tongues that look quite different from what you would see out in the world. It's some of the more, you know, different, more supernatural gifts. But all gifts are supernatural even if they look more ordinary. And it doesn't matter what your gifting is, just keep moving in it. And don't worry about having to know what it is. Okay? So what I wrote down here is, how do you discern your gifts? Pray, ask God for them, keep living and serving and being willing to be served as well. And that will allow you, because the point of the gifts partly the gifts are to edify yourself but the main reason they're given is for everybody else so we have to live in community for the gift for us to have the maximum benefit from the gifts everybody moves in the gifts that they have then everybody that's here gets to benefit from them and that's what i brought i got to bring so that's what i'm going to say so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna pray at the end so thank you lord that you 
made us in the image of your son. And I thank you that you made us a more full expression of, of Jesus when we are together. And I'd help, I, I just pray that you would reveal to everybody here and to everybody that's listening, everybody that's on Zoom, everybody that can, can hear what I'm saying now, whether that's now or in the future, that they would get a, a, a full idea and full revelation of what it means to be part of the body of Christ. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.